Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Hi, I'm Nick and I'm glad to be back. We all have devices, phones, Fitbits, computers, tablets, routers, and one of the things that we are afraid of is when they stop working. When they stop working, what we usually do is get onto YouTube to try and figure out how we can get this thing to work. Last case, or worst case scenario, is you phone the help desk, right? Phone the help desk and the first thing they say to you is, have you rebooted it? You're thinking to yourself, this piece of technology is so sophisticated that it can tell my heartbeat, it can tell how much oxygen is in my blood, um, This, my whole life is on this phone, my calendar, all of these things, and you're telling me to reboot it? You know the most annoying thing about that is that 50% of the time that works. 50% of the time you just reboot the device and it works. It's annoying but helpful. And that's the, the reason is because there are so many apps that are open on our devices, various things that are running in the background, fragmented memory, the system resources are being wasted on maintenance, and it makes these devices slow and sluggish and glitchy. One of the things that we're looking at is what it looks like to reboot our lives. And especially during a time when so many of us are at a time of needing this rebooting. Why do we need rebooting. Well, to quote Brett McCracken from his latest article on the Gospel Coalition, he says that in quarantine, Christians have been driven yet farther into a fully online existence, drinking from the often toxic well of internet discourse in ways that poison their souls. Largely devoid of meaningful immersion in Christian formative practices, Christians are instead being formed in whatever online echo chamber they call home. Man, I wish I could put things like that. The Barna Research Institute recently told us that over the last five months, one out of three practicing Christians has stopped any form of church engagement. That includes any type of online engagement. During these last five months, our minds, our souls, our bodies, and our spirits have been overloaded with information, misinformation, trauma, fear, anxiety, mistrust, pain, sickness, and lack of focus or direction. We've been relationally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, politically, and even some of us physically affected by this. We feel overloaded and fragmented because we have too many background programs running. Even if we intentionally try not to pay attention to these things, they're still uh, a taxing on our minds and our souls. I was recently on vacation and most of the time, what happens is it takes me one or two days to just kind of calm down and, and to rest and to get enough mind space. And this time with everything that was going on, and I'm pretty good at switching everything off. Don't watch the news, don't look at Instagram, don't look at any of those kinds of things. It still took me a while because I was so disconnected and fragmented. At the beginning of the coronavirus, we had Rigby talk to us and one of the phrases that he used was the fact that we've been exposed by the virus rather than exposure to the virus. And in many ways, exposure to the virus is not as dangerous as being exposed by it. What's happened is that the kingdom of God or the rule of God has either been refined or denied by the virus. The kingdom of God or the rule of God has been refined or denied by exposure to the virus. Our idols of comfort, 
security, safety and convenience have kind of elevated during this time. We find ourselves that we're either polishing or protecting our idols or we're destroying them. We are either idol hunters or idol worshippers. And a time of reboot helps us to recognize what our idols are and how strong they are. There's been such a broad spectrum of responses to this time. Many of us have made knee-jerk reactions or decisions. Some of us haven't made any decisions at all. We feel completely immobilized. Some of us are vocal and angry, whereas some of us have just withdrawn even deeper into ourselves and become despondent. Some of us have become comfortable in living in a way that requires no sacrifice or intentionality. It's possible that the operating system of our soul has become sluggish and glitchy. And the sluggishness and glitchiness is apathy and sin. And so we need to look at what it looks like to reboot. Over the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at this week, what it looks like to reboot individually. And next week, as a community, what are some of the things that we can do to unclutter and refresh? Now, rebooting is not the same as <clears throat> charging your phone. You don't, it's not something you do every day, but it is part of regular maintenance. There are rhythms that we need to employ on a weekly, daily, monthly, and even yearly schedule. You charge your phone every day, but you don't reboot it every day. And what I'm calling us to do is both to remember the daily practices that are essential for us, but also to begin to engage in some of the less frequent ones that are important for us to gain a sense of reboot. We reboot through three things, through engaging with God's word, through being in his presence and through being with his people. And the first thing we look at is through the living and active Word of God. Now, before you roll your eyes, boredom, familiarity, illiteracy, these are things that tend to make us roll our eyes anytime someone says that the way in which we feed our souls is through the Word of God. The problem is that we tend to approach the Bible just like any other book, and it's not. Uh, we need the Spirit to be able to interpret the Bible to us and to be able to apply these truths. Reading the Bible is a spiritual exercise. It's not a theological one. It's not an academic one. It is something that we need to understand as living and active and alive. It is the practice of both personal reading, but also sitting under the preached word of God like you are right now. And also um, in three weeks time, when we start our new series in Colossians, it's meditating and setting certain time aside, not only for daily reading, but for specific times of study. And we're going to be looking at the person and work of Jesus through the book of Colossians to be able to kind of um, ground us during this uncertain time. Now, if we're going to be talking about the word of God, then let's look at Psalm 119. Why Psalm 119? Well, because the whole psalm itself is dedicated to the value and efficacy of the word of God. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to read it. It'll take 15 minutes just to read Psalm 119. Many of you will know that it's the longest chapter in the Bible. In fact, it's as long as the entire book of Ruth was. Um, but I'm going to choose some verses out of Psalm 119. As I've said, the whole psalm is talking about the beauty of the Word of God to be able to show us how this can reboot our souls. Psalm 119 verse 25 says this, My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Now, the Hebrew word revive means to be quickened, to be made alive, restored to life or health. It's, it's that kind of reboot that we're talking about. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. 
when we feel like we've been beaten down or where we feel like we've tried and failed or someone's shoved us into the dirt, the promise of God's word is that he will restore, revive us. Verse 37 says, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. When the eyes of our heart become confused by shiny idols, what is meant to be a gift from God has become our God. When I long for things that I think and I'm constantly told will satisfy and that I deserve but that I don't have, I need to be revived and rebooted. And the word of God helps me to bring that into proper perspective. Verse 88 says this, Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your word. What about when we get weary or resentful of the mission that we've been called to? That's when I need some rebooting. Remind me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth, so that I may continue to speak of what God has called me to do as a kingdom bringer. 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And this is a really well-known verse, but this is the kind of thing that we can hold on to when we feel like we lack direction or vision. Now, I know it's awkward right now, not being together, not being gathered in one place, but I really want us to slow down. Even now, in the context of Sunday morning, you might be lying on the couch with your cup of coffee, maybe just get in a different posture and ask yourself the question, do I feel beaten down? Do I feel like I've been gazing at idols more than I've been looking at the Lord. Do I feel like I have mission fatigue? Do I feel like I lack direction? The Word of God and God Himself is able to speak into those things. Daily meditating on His Word will be able to speak into those things. Perhaps monthly studying a book, an attribute of God, or even an objection to the gospel fortifies our souls to be able to reboot when we sense any one of those four things. We are refreshed by God himself. That's the second thing that happens during a reboot. We don't serve a God who's left us just some written material and, that is, uh, that is, and he's not accessible or present or intimate with us. We serve a, a risen, living Jesus Christ and we're able to connect with him because the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us. He is always present. And when we feel disconnected from him, it's because we are unaware or we are deaf to his invitation. I want to say something that might be a little controversial, but apathy has a greater chance to dull the voice of God than sin does. Apathy has a greater chance to dull the voice of God than sin does. Why do I say this? Because when you look throughout Scripture, and Scripture has been so informative in that it hides nothing of the men and women of God that have made dramatic mistakes and that have sinned. But it's those men and women that come to God in repentance and faith and say, God, I've blown it. I need your presence and I need you to be with me. That God just comes and restores and refreshes. It's a man and woman that that out of a place of apathy or out of a place of laziness are not able to access that grace of God. There is no sin that you can commit that is too great to be able to separate you from the Lord. And David shows us in another psalm in Psalm 51. Now, David has sinned dramatically here. He has committed adultery. He has committed murder. And the first half of the psalm, David is talking to God about forgiveness and repentance. And in verse 10, he says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, 
and renew. There's that word again, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore, there's that word, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. There are so many things that we can do to kind of position and posture ourselves and make ourselves open to what it is that God wants to do in our lives. There are a number of suggestions that I want to make even right now. A media fast, silence and solitude, active listening, just sitting in the garden and saying, God, what what are you saying to me? Remind me of what you've said to me. Playing worship or listening. Now, I don't play worship, but one of the things that fortifies and restores my soul is being able to listen to people musically talk about the attributes of God. Meditating on the Word of God, spiritual direction, fasting, feasting, Sabbath. All of these things are things that can help us reboot because they enable us to connect with the very present tangible God. And your leaders are able to help you with various spiritual disciplines that can help you connect with God in those ways. A third way that we are rebooted during this time is we are refreshed by the gathered church. You know, Paul, the apostle who planted so many churches and was responsible for writing to these churches and and helping them um, deal with a lot of difficulties, was someone that was refreshed by individuals and whole churches. Paul was in prison, uh, a little more difficult than quarantine, but he calls out people by name that says, this person has refreshed me. He calls out churches that say, this church has refreshed me and loves me. And the ways that that happened with Paul is that he was supported financially by these people and churches, that there were men and women that sacrificed for the mission of God, that, that refreshed Paul. Like Jesus said, who is my mother and who is my father and brothers, but those that do the will of God. That in the context of of a world that seems to have gone crazy, we can look at each other and understand that we are still on the same mission, serving the same God, trying to make much of Jesus during this time. He was cared for as a person and as a friend. Don't underestimate the simplicity of presence during this time. And even though this has become more difficult, our presence can be through FaceTime or through texts or through emails or even sitting six feet apart and trying to yell at each other through masks. But let's not underestimate the idea and the power of being gathered because we make two errors. One of the errors that we make is that we are too reliant on the church for our faith and it's lived vicariously through meetings. But the other one, an equally destructive one, is that we don't invest in the intentional Christ formation that occurs only through community. Now, remember, we said that uh, when we preached about this earlier, Kellerman says that salvation is not exclusively a personal event. Salvation is what he calls a community creating event. It means that by repenting and placing our faith in Jesus, that we haven't just been restored to relationship with God, but we've been included in God's covenantal community, the church, and more precisely, the local church. Now, remember, we talked about idols. We need each other to be able to point out and expose our idols. When you walk into my home, it's easy for you to see what's on the mantelpiece. It's a little more difficult for me to understand that. Discipleship is what takes place in the context of the gathered church. Now, I love the concept of masterclass or masterclass. Masterclass is something that's online where you are learning from the best. 
And there are people that you can learn from. For example, you can learn how to play tennis from Serena Williams, or you can learn how to cook by Gordon Ramsay, or you can learn about business from Howard Schultz. But let me tell you this. There's no way I'm going to be able to shoot a basketball the way Steph Curry can shoot a basketball unless I actually do the thing. Now, podcasts and books and all of those things, they're helpful. And these classes are designed for people that have a certain degree of knowledge in the first place. Um, there's a certain degree of knowledge and skill and equipment that they're assuming that you have. But what if I don't have any of those things? That's why the church is perfect for discipleship. Because we are all at different levels of maturity and gifting. And therefore, everyone can help someone grow in some way. We can't outsource discipleship. Discipleship is not a program. It's a way of life. Effective discipleship takes place within the context of a church where different people add their gifts, their strengths, their loves. It's where we learn to love one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, provide one another. It's so much more powerful than mentorship and it's so much more powerful even than a masterclass. Why? Because you get genuine relationship and you get multiple perspectives of people that are feeding into your life. That's why during this time, life groups are more important than ever because we feel so isolated. We don't have the opportunity to gather as a large community. And so it's going to be vital to be connected and within the context of the life groups. As an eldership, we are looking at what kind of focused discipleship opportunities we can offer and how we can institute kind of a corporate reboot. But a good program without the heart of each one teach one is as effective as trying to learn tennis through a masterclass. Finally, rebooting helps us to remember who we are is a direct outcome of what God has done on our behalf. Now, in the Bible, Peter writes his letters and says, I'm not going to apologize for repeating and I'm going to quote Peter and I'm not going to apologize for repeating. This is part of what is a foundational scripture for us as Mercy Commons. And it's 1 Peter 2 verse 9 to 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar or special prized people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, idols, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. Now we know, Mercy Commons, that this is part of our identity. We know this, that we revel in God's mercy. We know that we are called to proclaim God's mercy. We know that we are called to display God's mercy in the way in which we live a distinct life that brings honor to Jesus Christ. And we know that we participate in acts of mercy for the common good. But reveling in His mercy is simply being with, worshiping, loving and serving Jesus. Even though reveling is one of our identifiers, it is critical because unless we revel, we are not going to be able to proclaim. Unless we revel in the mercy and greatness of our God, we aren't going to be able to display the mercies of God. And unless we revel in his extravagant love, we won't be able to participate in acts of mercy. We're not a people that acquiesce to God because of his great power. 
but we are a people that joyfully and radically revel in his kindness towards us. Which of these three areas needs more intentionality from you? Various devices are like, if I push this button and hold this button down for five seconds, then it reboots. Or if I hold this down, push this button and push that button, then it reboots. And for you, which of those areas do you need to pay intentionality to? Is it spending more intentional or maybe unique time in God's word? Is it actually saying to God, Father, I want to know what it's like to be in your presence in a tangible way when I can sense you? Or is it in being with his people, finding ways to be with the gathered church of God? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are fully known and fully loved. We've been adopted into his family, never to be rejected. That much is settled. But we have also been redeemed from the futility of self and we've been given a divine mission to present others the opportunity to taste of the undeserved mercy of our God. Let us recover the joy of living distinctly, purposefully and sacrificially. Let's use every opportunity and encounter to, dec to declare the greatness of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's do this at work online, behind masks, in restaurants, on walks, in parks, at homes. Let our gospel proclamation not be limited to our gatherings, but rather let it be amplified as each one of us labors for the common good in the unique context. Let's revel in the staggering love of God and the mercy of God. Let's make much of Jesus. Let's be his church. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.